Welcome everyone to the first official episode of the Cleveland Pulse podcast. As always, I'm your host, Justin Harold, and with me, my co-host, Jeff Santa. We got a lot to talk to you today about, mostly about the review of the 2019 season for the Cleveland Browns, our thoughts going into the 2019 season with our predictions, a quick analysis of the games, and our overall thoughts of the season. I'm very excited for this. Uh, it's the first real episode that we're having between me and Jeff. So, Jeff, how you feeling? I'm feeling good, Justin. Ready, ready to get into it. Think we got some good topics today, and just ready to talk sports in general. I know I was t- texting you earlier on the side, and it's been a boring couple weeks since the, f- the pilot episode. So, I'm ready to talk sports again. Absolutely, same here. So let's let's get into it. So. What we're going to start off with first is obviously the review of um, the 2019 offseason for the Browns. Uh, To start with that, I would like to mention that we finished 2018-2019 season off with a record of 7-8-1. So it was one of our better years, obviously, with Hugh Jackson there for three, well, two and a half, I suppose, um, going 0 and 16, 1 and 15, and then we cut him in the middle of that 2018 2019 season. Had Greg Williams take over as head coach, lead us to 7 8 and 1. So, with that being said, Hugh Jackson was fired, so we were in need of a head coach. We did a little bit of a search, I think it was a little shorter than what many people expected, but in the end, we ended up hiring Freddie Kitchens as our head coach. Jeff, what was your thought on that? That's a, that's a good point to start at, Justin. I really think that a lot of people, especially the fan base, really didn't have an idea of where the organization was going, obviously, especially starting with the head coaching position. And I think a lot of people really liked Greg Williams. It seemed like the players on that roster, and especially Baker Mayfield, really enjoyed and loved playing for Greg Williams. So it was a shock to me that he wasn't the head coach in the offseason. And Freddie Kitchens being a rookie from the get-go startled me quite a bit. Yeah, you see, I I found it interesting because, you know, we – we knew it was going to happen in the middle of the season. Hugh Jackson was gone. The Browns started to play a lot better with Greg Williams at the helm and Freddie running the the offense. But a lot of people were thinking that, you know, Bruce Arians went on air and, you know, petitioned himself to be the head coach for the Browns for a little bit. And, you know, I didn't think that um, anything would really come of that. Besides the fact that he said, oh, he would retain Freddie Kitchens, who had a good relationship with Baker, as we all saw. Um, but going forward, when when I saw that they signed Freddie, I thought initially, well, at least they got their guy with Baker, who knew how to run the offense, did some good things with the offense in 2018. I was disappointed that we didn't go with Greg and just keep the scheme that we had finished the year off with because it had seemed like it was working. You keep Greg Williams, you keep the de- the defensive scheme of things, and the transition is um, slightly better going into the next season. But, you know, it happened. We got Freddie Kitchens as the head coach, and so the season, the offseason started with that. So I want to list off 
a couple of the 2019 uh, free agent and uh, draft uh, transactions that we had. Starting off with, you know, the first real big one, and obviously everyone's going to say, oh, the Odell Beckham Jr. trade. I'm actually looking at the very first transaction we made was to sign Kareem Hunt. Now, everyone back then thought that that Kareem Hunt signing was, you know, kind of unnecessary and kind of, you know, a big political thing with the Browns because of um, Kareem Hunt's past and everything and us having Nick Chubb and Duke Johnson, who were going to be, you know, a good tandem of uh, running backs for the Browns. But that was the start of this uh, 2019 offseason. We then cut Jamie Collins and cut Darren Fells. I kind of like Darren Fells. I know he's not, you know, anything huge or anything. But he was a good tight end. Baker likes passing to his tight ends and everything. But then we get into the big trade, where we acquired Olivier Vernon and Odell Beckham Jr. for Kevin Zeitler, Jabril Peppers, and our first-round pick. Jeff, I don't know about you. The year before, we got Jarvis Landry, and I freaked out. I was I was pretty hype over that. I was ecstatic over us getting Jarvis Landry. And the next thing I know, I'm getting reports of, first, I think it was Olivier Vernon. But Odell Beckham Jr. wasn't, like, a part of that deal. And I was like, oh, it's not going to, we're not going to get Odell. Like, that's just kind of, like, people speculating and kind of trying to, you know, stir up the pot. And then the... The news breaks, and we get Odell Beckham Jr. and Olivier Vernon. I mean, people must have been losing their minds. I was losing my mind. What was your thought on that? I was thoroughly stunned at at that whole transaction as a whole. I mean, looking back at it now, and depending on how Vernon plays this season, he was just as big as a part. Obviously, he doesn't have the hype around him like Odell Beckham Jr. does, but if you're a football fan, you know the potential of Olivier Vernon. And going back to even what you just referenced, Justin, um, the, the Landry, OBJ, you know, the, the connection, that that's what I was most excited about as well. And and I think everybody, everybody knew that OBJ was on the out when it came to the Giants. Like, he was on the move, obviously. A lot of people had that had that expected to some extent but the people especially the browns fans there's always there's always naysayers in in communities and in fan bases right and and we know that odell beckham isn't the most level-headed football player which depending on how you look at it could be a bad thing and could be a good thing but at the end of the day i was just scratching my head at a lot of browns fans who said that they really didn't even want him but what what did we have to lose really i mean Talk about a superstar. Obviously, it was a trade, but wanting to come and, and play for Cleveland, put on put on the jersey and, and ball out with his with his brother, essentially, Jarvis Landry. I mean, definitely crazy, crazy time. One of the crazier off-seasons as a Browns fan, for sure. Right, and that was obviously one of John Dorsey's biggest um, hits for the Cleveland Browns. My thing with that trade was, at the time, I paid – Almost zero attention to us giving up Kevin Zeitler. Um, you know, Jabril Peppers, he, he had a good season. Um, the best thing that I remember of Jabril doing was him getting the sack against Denver at the very end and sealing us a win. But besides that, I was I was ecstatic. I thought we we pulled off like a, a snag of a trade. We got an upgrade at the end and 
obviously we got a huge upgrade at wide receiver at that point. And, you know, to kind of just signify that offseason, that was like what started the whole hype and craze around everything going into that 2019 season. And it didn't stop there. It it really didn't stop there. You know, we got Olivier, we got OBJ. And then even from there, we signed even more key role players like Sheldon Richardson, uh, Trayvon Cooley, and Morgan Barnett. All guys who played important parts on the team. You know, Sheldon Richardson, starter. Morgan Burnett, starter at safety. And Trayvon Cooley was a rotational defensive tackle, which was good. And then, you know... The transactions kept on going. We traded Emmanuel Ogba for Eric Murray, which I thought was interesting, mostly because I thought Ogba, when he was healthy, was a very good running mate with Miles Garrett. He played well. He wasn't a superstar or anything, but he played well enough to, you know, make an impact. And I personally liked him. Trading him for a kind of a backup safety slash nickel player was not my you know, favorite thing, but I trusted it. We had Olivier Vernon to take over his spot, and, you know, who knows? We At that time, maybe we would have drafted a DN to replace him or something like that. And then there was, you know, the period of time when we were starting to get into OTAs, and, you know, there was a little bit of talk between players like Baker and Duke Johnson, who we ended up trading for a conditional pick to the Texans. And, you know, that was the end of, you know, some some of the bigger moves for uh, free agency and trades. So then, Jeff, do you have anything about, like, free agents or anything that, you know, I haven't hit on or that you would want to add about that before I get into the draft? I just think for the most part, you've already touched on it a little bit, but it just seemed like that offseason, Dorsey was just running around on the phone with every every other GM in the league, it seemed like, I mean the timeline is pretty crazy when you look back on it. I mean, starting with Kareem Hunt all the way up to, you know, the season and just how many moves were actually made and the impact that Dorsey, obviously not with us now, but the impact he made in a short time being our general manager and, and making those moves. I mean, what a crazy off season for the Cleveland Browns and a bunch of more positive moves than negative, so to say. Right. And essentially, you know, I did say we got to OTAs. I did skip over the draft. Um, the draft happened, and, you know, I, I'm i a pretty big guy. I'm a pretty big believer in the draft. I essentially think that you can get two to maybe three starters out of the draft. And so, and that's with a first-round pick. Granted, we didn't have that this year, so maybe two players who were lucky could be starters. So, um I'm not going to list off our, our entire draft class, but I will um, list a couple of the players that I thought were big takes or, you know, the chances in the draft. And so obviously we had Greedy Williams, who everyone, every analyst loved, gave us an A-plus on that pick. Um, we traded up for him. We didn't have that first-round pick. Everyone thought he was going to be a first-round pick. Ended up dropping. We stole him. I th still think he played well enough this past year but then we went to Sioni Talkie Talkie he was a special teamers this year he you know had his some time at the end played okay thought we drafted him a little high but hopefully this year he'll be able to pick it up for us and be that starter and be a significant starter and help us play very well 
Then we got Sheldrick Redwine, who I, at the beginning of the draft process, thought was a very talented safety, thought he could come in and start for us if Morgan Burnett wasn't, you know, healthy or was having some issues. But I thought that was a very solid pick. And then we got probably what I consider to be the biggest steal or of relevance to the later rounds in Mac Wilson, who turned out to be our starter after Christian Kirksey got hurt. And I just, I mean, I loved him. Uh, going into the preseason, I wanted him to get as many snaps possible so he could end up starting. He didn't end up starting, but he, you know, he was rotational and he did excellent things all the way up until Christian got hurt and we had to start him and he played phenomenal for the rest of the year. So that's about it for the draft class. Uh, we got Austin Cyber and Jamie Gillian, who are our starting specialists now. So, But besides that, Jeff, did you have anything to add about the draft? I totally agree with you, Justin. I mean, even as a fifth-round pick, I don't really care what your, what his college career looked like. I mean, if you can get any Alabama player at in the fifth round at, to that point, I mean, especially even a linebacker, I think Mac Wilson is hopefully, hopefully the best steal that we had from this 2019 draft. Greedy Williams should get better with a year of experience underneath his belt, but I mean, Mac Wilson, we're looking at him to be a leader this season. I mean, letting Schober walk and, and obviously Christian Kirksey, you know, moving on as well. He's going to be, Mac Wilson's going to have to be a big vocal and, you know, with his actions leader on this squad at, at a pretty young age. And I'm excited to see how high his ceiling could get because I know that he's a ball player. A lot of these, a lot of these people we drafted in the 2019 class were ball players. I mean, even... Jamie Gillian, I think I love Jamie Gillian, just his persona and everything on and off the field. And man, he's a punter, so I thought Scottish he did a good job Hammer. In yeah, he's a stud. He he's got some big legs. I mean, God, I see he's some huge. of the posts. He's he's a big fella. But I agree. I mean, a lot of those picks were in my mind steals, like the like I listed off. Those were guys who I just thought were at that time either big steals or big chances. Most of them were steals. Obviously, Sione Takitaki will be seen more this year. But So, Jeff, that was kind of the review of what we did for the 2019 offseason. So, let's start moving on to what we thought was going to happen or what our thoughts were going into that 2019 season. What were what were some of the things that you were, you know, hearing, feeling, and expecting out of this squad in 2019? I think the first thing that I have down in my notes and the first thing that was a concern to me, especially after such a great rookie season, I know it's, it's kind of, it's almost like it's not as bad as the Madden curse, obviously. I mean, we saw Patrick Mahomes break that this season, but the sophomore slump, especially for quarterbacks is kind of like, it's almost inevitable for some franchises in the NFL. I don't know why, but I guess it just takes a little while for defensive coordinators and and the schemes to catch up to some of these new rookies that bust onto the scene but I mean what a great rookie year from you know Baker Mayfield and then he, he kind of comes out and he's in that sophomore slump and people you know seeing him on commercials all over the place which I really didn't have I didn't have that much of a problem with that aspect as much but you know how people get I mean 
while Wise in so many commercials. He needs to be working on football and not turning the ball over. But I, I never really correlated those two things together. But, I mean, talk about Baker just like, wow, we have a quarterback. Like, finally, like, let's go. And then he comes out and he's pretty careless with the ball. But a lot there's a lot of factors and variables that went into his season last year. So I'm I'm not as worried about it as I was at the beginning of last year. Right. Yeah, for me, at that time, you know, right before the preseason, getting hyped, first time ever, me and my dad are season ticket holders. I'm super pumped. I'm just like everyone else in the the stands and and the fan base. I'm super hyped for everything that's going on right now. Like you said, Baker, he didn't even have a full season for his rookie season. He didn't start. He he um, had to come in when Tyrod Taylor got hurt against the Jets on Thursday night. And who knows what that would have changed if he had never started. I mean, who knows if he goes into that 2019 season and has all those commercials and is doing all the propaganda stuff. But, yeah, I, I my thoughts were... You know, really high. I was always talking to, you know, you say you live in the kind of Pittsburgh area, so you're always having to deal with some Pittsburgh fans. I have some Pittsburgh fans at Ohio State, and, you know, we were chirping back and forth. And the the season um, comes out, or the uh, schedule comes out, and, you know, everyone loves to do their predictions, and everyone loves to have their thoughts on the schedule. So, Jeff, I wanted to go through the season or the schedule with you but first I wanted to kind of list off what our team looked like going into that season starting wise with our starting lineup and everything so I want to start with the defense because obviously everyone knows about the offense and how big big of the names that we had on offense but defense was you know kind of that soft-spoken side no one really talked about it because there wasn't all the hype and everything else going around with Odell and Jarvis and Richard and and Joku and Baker, everyone on offense. But defense, to me, I thought we were stacked. I thought top to bottom, we were just one of the best-looking defenses on paper. And our starting, or our front four, I mean, Miles Garrett, if this guy stays healthy, doesn't get in trouble... He's a he's a future defensive player of the year. He was on track to have 16 sacks. He had 10 sacks this past season in 10 games. Obviously, we all know what happened. Um, Olivier Vernon came off of his first Pro Bowl season a year or two ago. So big expectations for him. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, a proven veteran in the middle, doing great things. And then Larry Ogunjobi, who I really thought kind of bursted out onto the seams and really played a big role on our team in that front four. He did a lot of good stuff pass rushing-wise and stuffing the run. He was great. And then we get to our linebackers, who at the time then and at the time now were probably our weakest group, but it wasn't as bad as what it seems right now. Christian Kirksey, when he's healthy, is a great player. Joe Schobert is a pro bowler, and, I mean, he's just a tackling machine. But the season he had with us this one, this past one, great. It was great stuff. And then we had a Darius Taylor, who, you know, he, he was a free agent pickup, and uh, he was kind of the fill-in for our rookies at the time who didn't have a lot of experience. So, But then we get into our back four, who 
I was really excited for. I mean, Denzel, we we watched him the previous season, played phenomenally, was a pro bowler. He was he was just fantastic. Demarius Randall, great free safety. He did a lot of great stuff for us that previous season. And then, you know, Greedy, Greedy got the nod to start over Terrence Mitchell, which, you know, I thought he worked for it. He got it. Um, either way, if it had been Terrence Mitchell or him, I would have been happy. I thought both of them were very good seconds to Denzel. And then Morgan Burnett, he's a proven veteran. He's a proven veteran. He knows what he's doing. He knows where he needs to be, and he's a very vocal guy. I thought our defense looked phenomenal. What did you think? Yeah, I really like your point about, you know, the overall hype and, and the layout of the squad because I think that that's a pretty big talking point in itself as to maybe why the Cleveland Browns, you know, weren't as successful as maybe people like me and you thought they were going to be last year. The hype around the offense was just extensive. I mean, the media, the media, I just felt like loved talking about the Browns for the first time and in, in, in pro- besides, you know, in a positive light, let's say, I mean, I don't Absolutely. remember. I don't remember uh, an off season or leading up to the season where the media talked as much about the Browns as as the 2019 season. You know, entering into that year, but definitely, I mean, talk about just so much young talent on that roster and and some unproven talent, which which went crazy. I mean, Joe Schobert. I mean, talk about somebody who a lot of people didn't even know his name going into the season. And then he ends up being a pro bowler. I mean, Denzel Ward, second year, greedy getting the nod as, as the rook. And, and I mean, our front forward is crazy good, crazy high expectations, crazy high ceiling, but still, like you said, not even really mentioned that much. Everyone was wrapped up in the glam of Baker, OBJ, Landry connection, you know, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, what are they going to do? How many points are they going to score a game? But, you know, our defense had flashes of greatness in that 2019 season that I was I was really proud of as a Browns fan. Absolutely. And now we get into the offense. I mean, when you look at this team on paper, if you're looking at a seven-on-seven seven squad, the only team that could match up against the offense for the Browns, in my opinion, was the Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, you have... Easily. Baker Mayfield, who in not even a full season breaks Peyton Manning's touchdown record, rookie touchdown record. Nick Chubb, who, you know, we we he didn't start until we'd cut Carlos Hyde that past season, showed a yep. lot of flashes, showed a lot of, you know, speed and breakaway ability, who was just phenomenal. He did great the previous season. And then you get into the wide receivers and tight ends. David Njoku, who I personally thought was going to have a huge, huge, huge season. Just, you know, him being in the middle of the offense with OBJ and Jarvis, you know, taking all the attention to the outside. I thought he was going to have a big season. Kareem Hunt, who, you know, we didn't have him for the first eight weeks. He was suspended. But, you know, comes back after those eight games. We get him for the last eight, and potentially at that time if we were thinking playoffs. And then you have OBJ and Jarvis Landry. I mean, that's just your two starting wide receivers. They can't get much better than that. And you have Rashard Higgins as your backup, who was a proven guy and one of Baker's favorite targets the year before that. However, we don't play 7-on-7 in the NFL. We play 11-on-11, 
So we do have to talk about that offensive line. Now, Jeff, like I said before, I didn't really have a concern about the offense or the offensive line, for that matter, going into this season. Uh, left tackle Robinson, um, left guard Joel Batonio, center J.C. Treader, right guard Wyatt Teller, he was the unknown, really. Um, we didn't know too much about who our right guard was going to be with Kevin Zeitler getting away from us or you know, us training him away. And then Chris Hubbard at right tackle. I mean, I thought our tackles were fine. Chris Hubbard had played well before. Um, Greg Robinson had played well at left tackle the season before that. But as we know, that did not turn out to be the case for that 2019 season. What, what, what are your thoughts on the offense for that time? My main concern was the offensive line, um, just because of how the rest of the roster, I mean, stacked up. I mean, I just thought it was that was the only concern, besides the fact that the gelling and you know, it, it had to come together, and especially through the preseason. I mean, we saw, I'm pretty sure Odell didn't even play a snap in the preseason. Not one. Or he, not even, yeah, he didn't even play a snap. I How the preseason went, which is is just, I don't know, it seemed like the most Browns thing ever. I knew that the first one, two, three, three weeks of the regular season, Baker and OBJ weren't going to be on the same page. OBJ and Jarvis might, you know what I'm saying? The the, the gel and the mesh just wasn't going to be there just because how the preseason went, which is sad to say, but it just seemed like besides the, you know, your seven on seven point and the offensive line, I thought that my biggest concern was, well, there's, these are a bunch of people who really haven't played together. OBJ is coming onto the scene. I mean, his, we know his ego is through the roof, which I'm perfectly okay with actually. But we know he wants to be the center of attention, but he still you still got to share the field with you know Landry and Joku and 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 Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. But I mean, I knew it was going to take time for the roster to really mesh together. Yeah, and you know, I I might have been the opposite way about that, Jeff, because you know we had seen pictures of Odell and Baker and Jarvis, you know, working out together, throwing passes together before our OTAs and our. Um, practices and preseason and all that. So I didn't, you know, I didn't think too much of it. Um, I remember the year before that Odell, he got hurt playing the first preseason game against us. And, you know, that was the big point. Like, oh, we don't want any of these guys to be injured going into the season, which I could understand. And at the time, I didn't really have a problem with them not um, playing those preseason games. Obviously, now that we know what happened, they probably should have played a little bit. They should have gotten a couple of reps in between all of them and should have got some of that chemistry going. But before we start predicting or not predicting, uh, talking about what we had for predictions for the 2019 season, I just want to note a few players who I thought, you know, had interesting storylines for the Browns that 2019 season. And so a couple guys I have listed, Antonio Callaway, number one, um, wide receiver had a ton of talent. Everyone thought, you know, he was working out with uh, Antonio Brown. He had some very nice flashes of speed and some great ability to get away from players. Um, ended up getting cut by the Browns in that 2019 season. Jannard Avery, 
who I thought was probably the most I don't I don't even know how to describe it. He was an oddity for this season because we came in, he played phenomenally the season prior as an edge rusher and as an outside linebacker. I thought he had a chance at starting um over Taylor and he ended up almost not playing us I, I think he ended up playing a little bit for us, but in the end we traded him to the Eagles for almost nothing. Um Devaro Lawrence, Chris Sims were two guys on the defensive line who I thought were exceptional rotational players. And for some reason, without any explanation really, they were cut in the middle of the season. I don't know what happened there. I'm ashamed I'm ashamed that Chris Smith was cut by us after losing his um his girlfriend in the middle of the season. It was a tragic story. Um Devaro Lawrence was a quality player. But the last person I have on this list, and it's more of like a, <laughs> it's kind of a laughing point, um, Jermaine Whitehead. Uh, Jeff, I don't know if you rem- if you remember Jermaine Whitehead, but he got one start in his whole career with the Browns, and that was against the Denver Broncos. I don't know if you remember that game. We did not tackle very well in that game, and he was no. at the center of it. But what happened after the game is what made it, really you know just kind of like oh here we go again <laughs> with the browns we're we're kind of ruined yep he was he was responding to fans who were criticizing his play and <laughs> he was saying some very very inappropriate things ended up being cut and was kind of just like that turning point in the season where you know middle of the way and we're kind of looking at the season like oh here, here we, we go, go again yep you're so, missing, Justin, you're missing somebody, though. You're missing I, one person. Oh. He didn't make this regular season roster, though. That's why you're missing him. Jeff, don't even... I, are we talking about Braxton? No, I'm talking about Damon Sheehy Giuseppe. Oh. touchdown. Oh, my An goodness. Awesome story. I love that story. Yeah, I mean, Jeff, you go you go right ahead. If you want to tell it, go for it. I mean, pretty simple. I, I mean, I, I didn't know who he was. He basically... Talk about a straight of, of, of a guy on his grind. I mean, he basically walks into the – I don't even know how it went. He walked into the coach's office, and he was like, yeah, like I'm going to need a tryout or something. He like snuck into the building. He ran a, a quick quick 40, and he I think he ran back a punt in one of the preseason games. Pretty ran sure. it back for a touchdown. Or, yeah, a touchdown, and then we cut him. Yeah, <laughs> he was – you know, we were on – the one of the stories – during that season was that we were on hard knocks. I kind of wanted to avoid it, you know, just because, you know, every team that ends up on hard knocks doesn't, you know, they're either there because they're, they were really bad the previous season or, you know, there's, there's some sort of storyline there for that team to, you know, kind of, kind of boost their morale and then they kind of fall off, which happened with us. So, but yeah, she, he, you know, he, he was, uh, Essentially, he was a walk-on. He was an undrafted free agent. Um, returned a punt in one of the preseason games. You know, Odell gave him his shoes after warm-ups, and the whole thing was, oh, he's going to return a punt for a touchdown. Ends up doing it. Everyone went crazy. He was one of those hopefuls to make the roster, and it just didn't happen, which was it was unfortunate. I think he ended up getting picked up and cut again, but, yeah, he was one of those guys. So, All right, Jeff. We're at the point. So, we're we're looking at the season here. 
would you like to start? Would you like to start with what your prediction for that season was with games going yeah, game by game? I could give it a start. I'm I'm gonna get I'm gonna give record and then reasoning behind the record and then maybe you could start game by game and we could talk game by game like together like we could talk week one together absolutely sense. absolutely so go for it my, my i usually as uh, as my preseason predictions i usually have like the ceiling is my this is just being you know a seasoned browns fan i usually give my highest expectations but if they finish anything under that like don't like i tried to tell you like this was like my ceiling like they might do worse so i had as being just you know the most fair weather in the middle i had eight and eight was the best highest they could go i did not see it i did not wow. see them winning nine games i didn't see them winning 10 games i saw a lot of you know you got the trolls on twitter like oh six 16 and 0, like Super Bowl bound. Like some people were being serious, I guess, but right. I knew that that was all hearsay for the most part. I really wanted to be like that optimistic nine and seven, ten and six, but I just couldn't do it, man. I was, I was, I didn't want to be lower than 500. But if if we would have been 500, I would have been like, all right, like decent season. We got something to build on. Hopefully, we don't have to restructure the whole coaching staff. LOL, you know how that would turn mm-hmm. out, but. I had I had eight and eight is like if we're eight and eight I'm thrilled. Wow, that's that's kind of incredible. I'm actually really we've never talked about this this season nope. in terms of how we did predictions. I'm really interested to go game by game with you and see what your what your prediction was for that game if it was a win or a loss. Uh, I'm sitting here looking at mine and um, I'm gonna sound like an idiot, but. I had us going 11 and 5. Um <laughs> let me tell you, I looked at this season and I said a lot of these teams are not great. I mean, I was looking at it, there was a stint of teams that, you know, I was I was very hesitant and, you know, giving a win amongst those teams was kind of sketchy, but I was optimistic. I thought you know, we had upgraded at almost every position and we had kept and retained guys that, you know, were great starters and great players in general. I just had the highest. And we came off of one of our better seasons with a coaching right. fire in the middle of the season and running with an interim coach, an interim offensive coordinator. And I thought a full off season with a new head coach that everyone likes, everyone loves, would, you know be the thing, would be the catalyst that would get us to that, you know, playoff-bound team, that winning record team, and we failed miserably, so. And even at the same time, the 8-8 was kind of, looking at this, it's, I think this is an interesting season to look back on, especially because, like, how our schedule was structured, but we played some tough NFC teams last, last season. I mean, they were tougher, you could say, like, before the season started, like obviously the Rams didn't finish up having a great year, but before the season, looking at us playing the 49ers, the Rams, the Seahawks, I knew it was going to be, it was going to be a grind to say the least. Right. Absolutely. All right, Jeff, let's, let's go game by game. We'll, we'll do it kind of quick, kind of give us uh, uh, you know, what your, what your prediction was for that game. And then I'll tell them, you know, what the, what the actual scenario was. So, uh, I'll refer to you. I'll let you go first on all these picks. So, first game, the Tennessee Titans. What did you have us going with this one? Season opener, home opener. Home opener. What was your yep, thought? Yep. So, home opener. Knowing the Browns' track record of home openers and just season openers in general, 
I had that one chalked up as an L. Not because Tennessee was – that's what I think is the funny part looking back at this season because I feel like a lot of people, including me, after this 43-13 to – sorry, I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to give it away. But after this, you know, we, we kind of got you know, destroyed. Everyone was kind of like, wow, like this, ten, this Tennessee Titans team really isn't that good. And this was the, the Marcus Mariota Tennessee Titans team. But still, I mean, finishing up as a playoff team and, and having a great playoff run, looking back, this week one loss doesn't make me as upset as it did in the moment. That's fair. Uh, you know, the optimism in me had us winning this game. I had us even blowing this team out. I did not respect the Titans. I did not respect Marcus Mariota. Mike Vrabel is a great coach, great guy, came from Ohio State. I loved everything he did there. Uh but I just, you know, I was believing in the hype. Um, my my biggest thing, it'll be a quick side note. The way you'll know that there is change in the Cleveland Browns organization and in the way that things are going is the first time we win a season opener at home. That's when Absolutely. you'll know that things are changing for us. But like I said, I had us winning this game. The Browns end up losing 43-13, to 13. it was embarrassing. Terrible. We had Terrible. Baker played awfully uh, through, I think, three interceptions. Very poor. Uh, the game just did not go well for us. So then we move on to the New York Jets primetime game. OBJ returns to New York. What was your thought on that game? My motto for this, for the 2019 Browns team, my motto was, Please, dear God, let's beat the teams that we are better than. Which, 50-50 on the verdict if we did that effectively. But as far as I'm concerned, this was the easiest road game on our slate, potentially. Let's get business taken care of. Let's blow them out. Okay, so you had that as a win. We did end up winning that game. I had that as a big win. Uh, I love the fact that we got to... Well, we didn't actually get to beat Sam Darnold. I, I make this point of Sam Darnold just because Colin Coward loves Sam Darnold and hates Baker Mayfield. So I would have loved for Miles Garrett to have sacked Sam Darnold three times. Unfortunately, that's not what happened. But Jeff, to be honest with you, this was a struggle to watch. We won 23-3, and it was kind of a struggle without Odell getting that... Uh, you know, that right. long slant route for, uh, what was it, about 80-some 80, 80 yards for a touchdown. It was Big really play. it was really a poor game offensively for the Browns. And it was just kind of one of those things where you're like, all right, well, when is this going to start picking up and when is this going to start going? And, we you know, we had to go on to the next game. And the next game happened to be against a Super Bowl contender team from last year, the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Jeff, I'll just skip skip you really quickly here i had this as an i had this as an l you know this was the first one that i thought uh we're gonna we're probably gonna lose this one this team was in the super bowl last year and you know we're coming off a short week so i had this one chalked up as a loss likewise i had this as a loss and this is going to be a little bit of a recurring theme that i have with this 2019 team I had this as a loss without any anything attached to it before this game was played. But 20, 20 to 13 Rams, I was impressed at, with how, besides the offense, you know, not scoring a whole lot, I was impressed at how the Browns team played that week against the Rams. I, I was optimistic about the season moving forward, knowing that 
now looking back at it, we could say the Rams didn't have a great year because they really didn't. But playing that Rams team that close, that early in the season, I was like, all right, let's go. I got a little bit of momentum behind me and how the rest of the season's going to go. Right. And Jeff, just to add on to that, uh, Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward were both out. So was Christian Kirksey. Our team was That's already right. pretty banged up. And to hold yep. a team like the Rams at that point to 20 points was, like you said, it was impressive. And it was, you know, in the fourth quarter, we had a chance to bring that game back and, you know, go for mm-hmm. the tie and kick it into overtime. Obviously, that didn't happen. And we move on to one and two as a record. And then we move on to Baltimore. This is at Baltimore. Um what did you think about this game going into it? So, you know, at Baltimore, um, probably, arguably, the favorites to win the AFC North. I mean, preseason between them and Pittsburgh. I mean, realistically, I know some people had the Browns win in the AFC North and, and with pretty decent merit besides, you know, what what eventually happened. But I this game was a complete surprise to me. Uh, easily, I think our best offensive production per opponent of the year by far. Uh, probably one of the better games I've seen the Cleveland Browns play, you know, in my lifetime. Absolutely, I had us. I'll be honest. I had us losing this game. I usually have us split the series between the Ravens and the Steelers. Um, this was at the Ravens, and you know they. They came off yeah, of pretty... I didn't think we were winning this game either. <laughs> no, and you know what shocked me the most was how well the defense played against the offense, which a lot of people couldn't figure out how to stop Lamar Jackson, and you know right. that remained the the whole thing throughout that season for him. Uh, obviously, he had a MVP season, and the Browns, you know, they played him really well that first game, and for half almost half of the second game played him really well compared to other teams. But yeah, I had us losing this game. We end up winning 40 to 25. So we move on to two and two and we're on to the, one of the 2019, 2020 Super Bowl contenders, the San Francisco 49ers. Jeff, this team was very bad for the past two seasons. And um, although I have us losing it, I did think we had a chance. I ended up going to this game in really, really high hopes. And, oh, man, I'm I'm really glad I enjoyed my time doing everything else possible in San Francisco because <laughs> I sat next to some San Francisco fans, and they would not let me stop having it. So what did you think? See, this is now this is the other side of, like, the Rams, the Rams game, right? I I didn't have this as a win, but I did not have us losing that game that bad. They ran all over us. They ran over a lot of people, the whole team. I mean, that running back core was nasty for a good majority of the year. But they, we another game where you mentioned it earlier, we just I feel like we couldn't tackle. Their running backs were just running us over and just trotting into the end zone. It was pretty crazy. But I didn't have us losing that game that bad. Right, and you know. Uh, we had four turnovers that game, one of the worst games that we had in terms of turnovers. But that was the one game where, you know, uh, Baker would throw a couple passes, and he threw interceptions that, in my opinion, were not his fault. Most most apparently, the one in the end zone that would have made the game 10-14, uh, Antonio Callaway 
does like a somersault and essentially tosses the ball to the defense and they end up running it for like 50, 70 some yards and it ends up being on Baker's rep for the rest of the season. So, but yeah, that was a, that was a hell of a beating, but we move on. We come back home to the Seattle Seahawks right before our bye week. Uh, another loss. I mean, you, you can't tell me that in any game with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll that you're going, ah, I picked the other team to win this game. So what were your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. I mean, to just talk about a dominant franchise. And, and again, you're talking about just a crazy, even though, it, you know, it didn't turn out, obviously, with a, with a positive record or above 500 record, whatever you want to say. But talk about a crazy up and down roller coaster of a year for the team in general. I mean, just got destroyed by the 49ers. Terrible. And then this Seahawks team is coming into town. Yes, it's tough to win on the road. I was very hype about us being at home for some of these games, the Rams, the Seahawks. And I had it chalked up as an L, you know, before the game started. But just just looking at it as a non-biased football fan, I had it as a loss. But talk about another game that we were in that we probably could have put into the win column if, you know, one or two plays go a little bit differently. But that's life, man. That's football. Right. And I believe, I believe, I don't remember exactly, but I believe going to the halftime, we were winning that game. And, you know, Russell Wilson pulled out another fantastic game and ends up beating us. And like that, we're into the bye week. And we're 2-5. and And, you know, we need to regroup. And we got to regroup against a New England Patriots team. Jeff, I got to be honest with you. I have this game chalked up as a win. I could not predict us losing, uh, how many games is it now? The Rams, the Ravens, the 49ers, the Seahawks. I think five games in a row is just too much for me to bear with and try to be like, ah, you know what, that's fine. I kind of just had this as one of those games, you know, that we win kind of just out of luck more than anything and just out of breaking a streak of bad games and... Granted, at the time, I didn't know that New England was going to be the number one defense and playing as well as they did, but we end up losing that game. I had it chalked up as a win. Unfortunately, we lost 27-13. What was your thoughts going into and out of that game? I'm I'm so glad that you said what you said because me, too, I had the Browns winning this game on the road. A couple, couple things I took away from this game, pregame and postgame. We beat the Ravens handily, handedly on the road, the first meeting. I was, I know it's a tough place to play, you know, Brady at home. What else is new? Very tough to beat. But we knew that this, this it wasn't a typical New England team, even at that point in the season. A lot of people knew that. Uh, their defense, obviously spectacular. But I thought with a week, you know, the bye week, going on the road, we've had, we've already played good road games this season besides the 49ers. And I thought that, you know, we could have pulled this one, pulled something out of the out of the bag here, so to say. And I think that this the biggest lesson from this game, and I know it was early in the year, but we should have known at that point, I felt like I should have known that Kitchens just wasn't gonna be it. Like that showing out of the bye out of the bye week, have an extra week to prepare and kinda going in it was a decent game, but kinda laying an egg against the Patriots was it was disappointing for a game I thought we could have won. Right. And, you know, my dad, the biggest thing all year with me and my dad watching these games was my dad could not get over Freddie Kitchens 
love, love for just <laughs> wanting to pitch the ball like forward two yards, backwards two yards, to the right, to the left. The dude just wanted to pitch the ball for whatever reason. And that first play to start the game off was a pitch that, you know, one of those D linemen, I mean, they got in super quick. And it looked essentially like Baker had just tossed him the ball. and was like, don't, don't hit me. Like, don't, please, please. Like, I did right. nothing. And uh, it's just, it was a bad game. Um, bad, bad look for us. But we're... We're at that point now where we've gone through, and a lot of people, a lot of analysts had, you know, that stretch of games with the Rams, the Ravens, the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Patriots being one of the hardest, if not the hardest, stretch of games before that season started. And then we start getting into the easier part of, or what was supposed to be the easier part of this schedule. Uh, We go to Denver, the team that we had beaten last year with what I thought was a far less superior team uh we go into this game two and five i'm thinking i'm thinking big win i think this is where we bounce back Uh, this is where i lost my mind i absolutely started (laughs) to lose all my pressure all my cool you know i try to be a pretty positive guy most of the time uh you can ask my dad after this game i was not happy we were in columbus we were at ohio state we were at a bar i was not happy with how this game went it was awful I lost my mind. Jeff, I'm sure you have some thoughts on this one. That's really the truth, though. Like, I feel like every every season there's sometimes a point. Being a Browns fan, you're like, oh, my God. You're like, you're like not this again. Like, wow. Like, we're already looking forward to next season. Jesus Christ. But I 100% agree. This was what I referenced earlier. Like, just take care of business. We're way better than this Broncos team. We might be dysfunctional, but we're way better than them. We got to go in there. This is a team we should beat on the schedule. I know it's in Denver. I know it's tough to play in Denver, you know, if you're not used to it and, and all the elements and such. But please, dear God, like this was kind of similar to the Jets game. Like, let's go in there. Let's take care of business. Let's get back on the right track. And I, I totally agree with this being a, a breaking point in the season for a lot of fans. Yeah. And so – you know, at this point, obviously, we're we're doing these predictions from the beginning of the season. We know nothing of what's happening. Um, had you had asked me at this point what I thought the Browns could do against these next couple of teams, I would have told you that these were losses. But as a surprise to me, after the Denver game, and originally I had this Buffalo Bills game as a win, we end up winning it 19-16. Very close game, but kind of one of those games where, you know, it's like the Baltimore game. Buffalo was playing very well, was a playoff contender at the time, and, you know, people thought we weren't going to win this game. We end up winning, and, you know, like all Browns fans, we kind of, you know, we start thinking, okay, hey, maybe maybe we got something. Maybe something's going on now. So what did you think, Jeff? I thought that after – I think everyone could have agreed at that point that the schedule for the Cleveland Browns wasn't going to get any harder. We weren't playing our best football, but the the schedule was getting easier, however you looked at it. Either way, it's hard to win games in the National Football League, regardless you're at home, on the road, whatever. You still got to show up. You still got to play. You still got to execute. You know, the whole team, It's it really is probably the most team sport, you know, in as, as far as pros go. But I had this game as a win as well. I mean, at that point in the season, I kind of was sitting there like, well, we're, we should – Hopefully we win a home game at some point. I might as well just hope we start winning, you know, the next one and until we win one. And 
we got we got the job done against a pretty good you know Bills team who played solid throughout the whole year and just another glimpse of this Browns team you know really taking it above expectations I think at that point in the season kind of like how we pummeled the Ravens on the road right and you know I think it should be noted that we say above and beyond you know getting a win for for the Browns is is above and beyond I mean uh, for me, I thought we were going to trounce a lot of these teams. We were going to score in the high 20s and everything. But, you know, getting a win was getting a win at that point and was big stuff. But, Jeff, we're moving on to possibly my favorite memory, favorite game that I attended as a Browns fan. And that's the Pittsburgh Steelers on a Thursday night in November at 8:20. Jeff, I had this marked as a win on prime time, we won. Not only did we win, though, we lost. I know that's not possible. I know <laughs> no, you it's might. Po- it's possible for the Browns. But I know. I know. I know. If you're not from Cleveland, that you would say that's not possible. That's not a thing you can do. <laughs> but guess what? That's the Cleveland Browns, and that's what Ooh. happened. If you don't know, Miles Garrett, uh, he essentially tried to give Mason Rudolph his helmet back. Um, did it in an unconventional way, was not seen, uh, not seen like that as a act of good, good gesture by the NFL. He gets suspended for the rest of the season indefinitely, but we do win that game. And to be honest with you, I was going nuts when that whole thing happened. It was awesome. I thought, wow, the rivalry is, you know, it's reignited. The, this rivalry for the next couple years is going to be fantastic. Um, but yeah, we got the win. Prime time, Thursday night at home. I was happy. Jeff, what were your thoughts with the whole Pittsburgh area with you? Oh my goodness. I mean, that game, besides the ending, that game is largely a blur for you know, a couple different reasons, I guess you could say. But <laughs> just besides the – I thought that was the best defensive showing we had all year. I thought the defense really rose to the occasion. I mean, we're at home. We're at home, and another one of these – I know I keep harping on it, but Mason Rudolph is starting for the Steelers. We're, we're better than them. We're at home, and we're better than them. You know, the records might have been pretty comparable and, and whatnot, but – let's let's beat this team like we we know that the Steelers have had our number but I had this as a W everybody in the league at that point and through the remainder of the season knew Mason Rudolph you know he that's not it I mean I don't know I don't know what their plan is at backup unless he matures and progresses substantially at that point in the season people knew that you know as far as I was concerned I hope that he wasn't leading the Steelers team to a victory in in Cleveland Right, absolutely. And, you know, so that's that's three wins in a row. Or that's, I'm sorry, that's two wins in a row. I'm foreshadowing a little bit. We Should, we, have, been, should have been three, for sure. Yeah, but it should have been three moving on to four with this next team, the Miami Dolphins. Uh, this team had essentially given up before the season ever really started. I, I shouldn't say they gave up, but they did trade away a lot of their players for draft compensation. They kind of were in that you know, situation where, you know, we want players that want to be here. We want players that are going to um, buy into what we have going on with the new coach. And, you know, 
in all fairness to them, they had no right winning this game. They didn't win this game. This was our, essentially it was our best offensive game, mostly because we just scored one point higher than the Ravens game, but we did win 41-24. Jeff, there's no way you didn't have this as a win on your list, right? No, definitely a win. I mean, Dolphins playing for, you know, good draft pick, good draft stock, like you were saying. Um Basically, I thought this was probably the most simple game to watch as a fan all year long. Just good offensive showing. Defense probably gave up, you know, some point, you know, third quarter, fourth quarter, stopped trying as hard. But good, good overall team victory here. Yeah, and you know, that was a it was a home game, and you know, kind of me and my dad both predicted that this game was not gonna go the Dolphins' way. So me and my mom actually went to this game. Awesome game. Uh, however, we kind of left early because it was kind of a blowout and we didn't really need to see anything more. So, yeah, moving on, we're, we're going to Pittsburgh. So this was, I mean, when you're looking at it, when you're looking from the inside out of it, the Cleveland Browns and Steelers were heated. I mean, the fan bases were going nuts for this game. I still think even without Miles Garrett being there, I still think we should have won this game. I mean, I I have it chalked up as an L, but at the time I had us winning that game. Um, this was not good. This was not a good game for us. Nope. Um, Duck Hodgins, a guy named Duck Hodgins, beat us. Um, what were your thoughts? I think probably going in before this season, you probably had this as a loss as well, right? Yeah, I, I had this as a loss. I mean, I had this as a, usually as principal. If we split, and this is, I mean, obviously this is the, the fourth game out of four for the Browns when it comes to, you know, Steelers and the Ravens. If we could split with the Ravens and the Steelers, regardless of if we went at home, on the road, whatever, that's a pretty productive year, regardless of our final record, as far as I'm concerned as a Browns fan. Agreed. I mean... If we split, I think that I think that's a pretty big goal. If we could split with the division for for the rest of the National Football League, the rest of the Cleveland Browns' existence, I'll, I'll be pretty thrilled. I mean, obviously you want to sweep. Last year, obviously we wanted to sweep the Bengals, but you know that didn't happen. To for a little spoiler, if you guys missed the whole 2019 season, but I think that this game, ever when Miles went, when Miles, you know. When his season ended prematurely, I thought that the whole morale of the team kind of, you know, went in the dumps. Our record wasn't looking any better. And the defense just lost some lost some fervor, some gusto, so to say. And you could tell in that game. That that second matchup by the Steelers, which it's very difficult to beat the Steelers at Hines. I don't care who they have at quarterback. Very difficult. But that game just felt so sluggish, man. Like 20-13, to 13, I was just like, let's just get this game over with. It was It was pretty tough to watch. Right, and this is a, this is essentially, you know, we're getting to that point where the the wind is getting fully knocked out of our sails, and you know, there's no hope for really anything going forward. You know, maybe just have like an even record going into next season, and you know, build off of that. But we do we do play the Bengals, and like you said, I was expecting a sweep against this team. This one's at home. We get the win against the Bengals, twenty-seven to nineteen. I don't think there's anything else to say about that game for me. Nope, easy win. Yep, and then we go to the Cardinals, and this is where I get gut punched. I get full on. I this is the purest of the Browns being the Browns. We lose 
a game that I think we should have won. I did not think a new head coach in Kyler Murray could, you know, essentially trounce us. I think a 38-24 loss is a trouncing, especially with a rookie quarterback and a new head coach. I Obviously, um, we had our, our own new head coach, but, I mean, it was just... It was devastating to watch this game, and this is where this is where you can really see the Browns start to lose it. Things are breaking down. the yep. The seams are coming loose. OBJ is losing it with Freddie. Jarvis <laughs> is losing it with Freddie, and you know, I I would love to know what Freddie was trying to communicate with these guys when they would get all up in air about what's going on, but it couldn't have been anything good. This this loss was devastating, and you know, this is at the point where we're six and eight, and you know, six and eight. It's it's not five hundred at least, right? It's not it's not the oh, this is awful. We're we're gonna have a great draft pick. We're in the middle, and you know, if we can go eight and eight, that's something to be happy about. It's an improvement from last year. But not with this team, you know, with this team, right. with everything that had happened with it, with all the acquisitions and all the hype, six and eight was kind of like, well, what are we doing? What are, what is our plan moving forward? I mean, the Ravens are next and we're, we're going to lose this game. I'm sorry. It's, it's just hard to look at it and be like, oh, yeah, let's let's hope for eight hundred. We're not getting eight hundred at this point. Um, we moving on to that game. It's fifteen thirty one. Like I said, though, we did play Lamar Jackson pretty well for that first half, all the way to like the last five minutes of it, I suppose. Um, right. Which kind is kind of folded there at the end of that half, right? Sure. But I think there's something to take away from you know Lamar. You know. A lot of people are, you know, hyped up on him. Um, him and Patrick Mahomes are two of my... I won't say I hate Patrick Mahomes. I severely dislike the hype around Patrick Mahomes. However, I do hate the hype around Lamar Jackson. Mostly because I think... sure we, I Sure, a lot of people probably said last year that they were going to figure out a way to stop Lamar. I think this year, people are really... I don't think he's going to play very well this year. He's getting the the curse. He's going to be on the cover of Madden. I just don't see it. But like I said for this game, I had us... I actually had us winning this game because it was at home. At the time, though, the losing to the Cardinals, I did not have hope for this game. But I did have us winning beforehand. What did you think? Right. I mean, even the even the Cardinals game, I think I think at halftime of the Cardinals game, they they locked the team locked Freddie Kitchens out of the locker room and they were like, well, <laughs> we're pretty much we're pretty much done for this year and he better be gone cuz this is this is terrible. And I mean, you could say that about the the two games after the Cardinals. I mean, really no life on offense in the Ravens game and then, you know, just a just a terrible way to end the season, but after we after we beat the Ravens on the road earlier in the season and just seeing how dominant they were after we beat them, like we kind of put them into a whole nother gear 
almost, and they were just rattling off win after win. I I had this Ravens game as an L for sure. Yeah. And then we move on to the last game, the nail in the coffin for Freddie Kitchens and his one-year stint with the Absolutely. Cleveland Browns. Uh, a loss to the Cincinnati Bongles. <laughs> I mean, you just there's really nothing to say about this game. It's a 23-33 loss. Our defense was poor at the time because all the wind was taken out. Um, offensively, nothing to say. I mean, Jeff, this, this just sums up the season. We played very, very poorly for what expectations were, what the team looked like on the roster, or what the team looked on looked like on paper. It's what did, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I had this as a win, you know, just because it was the Bengals. So did I, the by the way. Teams, one of the worst teams in the league. But I just think in all of this talk is relative to expectations, right? There's no, there's no, like, you know, dogging on these NFL teams. Obviously, the Bengals weren't very good, but they're still, you still got to beat them. You still got to go into Cincinnati and beat them. It's not, it's not the easiest thing in, in the world to win a game on the road in the National Football League, but we're talking all in relative to expectations and how this team looked on paper, because you could even say that going back to the Cardinals game. I mean, a game I thought we should have won. We were way better, but at the same time, you know, Kyler Murray has, has a bright, long, hopefully NFL career future ahead of him. you know, really could be another Lamar Jackson, so to say, and, and probably has, you know, MVP, candidate type stuff at the end of the day i mean talk about just a great young player that cardinals team has and, and especially even the Bengals, now with deandre hopkins sorry i didn't mean to cut you off right there. no no you're good but that's even even a better point but even the Bengals, i mean they had even without aj green they they got good talent i mean every roster on in the league is gonna have good talent and if you're just not if you're not fully there as a squad and you're not behind your head coach and your head coach really isn't behind the players it's not gonna go well for anybody Absolutely. And so that concludes the 2019 season. The Browns, 6-10. and 10. They were worse than the year before. Um, Jeff, you, you brought up a really good point, and, you know, we're, we're, we're at the end of our, our talk here. Uh, I wanted to talk. I mentioned Lamar Jackson. I mentioned Patrick Mahomes. You just mentioned Kyler Murray. You know, for me... The biggest, and this will be my my thought for moving on to the next season. The next episode we'll talk about going forward, moving forward with this team. Um, but my biggest thing with the NFL is more often than not, the team that wins the Super Bowl at the end of the year is either. It's it's no it's it's it comes down to this one thing, it's how well are you coached, and if you have one of those top tier coaches, you're you're made. You're gonna have a fantastic career. You're gonna have a fantastic time watching your team, just moving forward with no problems whatsoever. I mean, let's let's list off the teams really quickly. Patrick Mahomes. Kansas City Chiefs, I couldn't ask. You could not ask to come into a better situation than Patrick Mahomes did. He got to sit for a whole year, was not needed at all. 
comes into a team that has one of the best offensive rosters ever. And this is my this is partly my my disdain for him and his hype is that everyone thinks he's so amazing. He's he's a great he's a great quarterback. I give him that he's a great quarterback. I know I know what you're trying to say. But he has one of top three head coaches in the league right now and a superstar lineup at wide receiver, tight end, his offensive line, his running backs. I mean, just phenomenal. But even the the Patriots, Bill Belichick is arguably the greatest head coach of all time. Doug Peterson, who... The, you know, he took the Philadelphia Eagles to that Super Bowl with Nick Foles and beat the Patriots. And, right. you know, he consistently does great work with the Philadelphia Eagles, that team that, you know, they kind of struggle because, you know, Carson Wentz, he refuses to stay healthy. But that team remains one of the top teams in the league. We'll play them this year. It'll be interesting to see how things work out. My final thoughts for this podcast, for this episode, for the Cleveland Browns in 2019 season was, you know, you got to lose to understand what you need to gain. And for me, we had to lose Freddie Kitchens in order to free up that head coaching position, to free up that position of, you know, power and leadership and everything that goes forward for a team is rooted into that head coach position. And it will be our big talking point for next episode when we talk about the 2019 offseason and moving forward. Jeff, what what are your conclusions? What are your final thoughts for this episode? I, I just couldn't agree agree with that statement more. Um, I don't think it could be said any better than that. I mean, you know, you got to lose in order to know what you need to gain. I mean, I think very well said, but I think you even touched on it with the coaching earlier in, in this episode, kind of without even knowing, talking about, you know, the Tennessee Titans and, and Vrabel pretty much, that he's that guy making that hard decision, Mariota out, you know, switching quarterbacks mid-season and basically riding, you know, a backup quarterback to start the year, plus Derrick Henry, plus an extremely stout defense that they had and, and riding that all the way, you know, even through the playoffs to some extent. But I 100% agree in, in the fact that if, if the Cleveland Browns have it figured out from the top down, it, it's kind of like, like a pyramid almost. If you could – if you have it at the top with, you know, the owner, the GM, and then the head coach, I even think that there's a little bit more above the head coach, which is a totally different talking point, obviously. But if you if we could figure it up from up top, it, it'll just funnel down into, you know, the system will work and, and the greatness will funnel down into the rest of the organization. And, and that's what we need, man. Absolutely. And, I mean, if it was to funnel down in that order right now, what you have at the bottom is – one of, I believe, at the end of that season, the second youngest team, but a team with a ton, a ton of potential and talent. And like you said, Jeff, if we can get some greatness to funnel from the top down this next season and moving forward with the rest of our lives, things could be looking up for us. So I want to thank you very much for 
Uh, taking your time out of your Sunday, as always, Jeff, for being here. Thank you so much. Yep, no problem, man. I'm looking forward to the next one already. Absolutely. Thank you all for being here. Thank you all to have been listening, who continue to listen. Uh, I hope I ask that you, um, you know, go about your days um, being kind and respectful to one another, especially in the times that we are in now. Um, be open-minded, you know, be understanding, and, you know, just be a good person. That's all that really matters at the end of the day, and I couldn't thank any of you more for being here and listening to us, and we'll be back next week. Thank you so much.